What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh. This is Bobby Okereke, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. Welcome back to the Blue Stable Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, as always, Michael Pivia, joined by me, Culture Shock, Marcus, man. How you doing? It's been a while. It's been maybe a week since we last talked. Talked about the uh, preview going into the Denver game. I went in, you know, I chose the Colts to take the loss. It felt like they did lose, honestly, but uh, Marcus, you you went with the Colts on this one. So since that game has ended, we've had a little bit of time to dissect the game a little bit. And man, it really did feel like we were dissecting something literally uh, because of just how sad it was. But other than that, how were you feeling watching the game last Thursday? I tried to warn you. I tried to warn you. I said the Colts was going to win. And I also, I predicted that the Colts are probably going to beat that whole division, but that's a conversation for another story. But I, right now I'm feeling content of how things are going. Uh, we still have issues to discuss later in the show, but right now I'm totally fine uh, at the moment. Yeah. And if you guys are tuning in for the first time, if you're a constant here and you haven't already, make sure you leave a like a thumbs up on YouTube or on a Spotify, Apple podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast out there, make sure you subscribe and comment down below. What was your thoughts on that Thursday night game? And especially some things we're going to talk about in the show. Who is your starting five that you would have on the offensive line? We're going to also going to talk about this uh, weekend, big game against Jacksonville. Look into that. So please, anything you have, What's your starting five? What was your thoughts about the game on Thursday? Let us know down below in the comment section. It would be much appreciated. Make sure you are subscribed and hit the notification bell. That way you are notified anytime content drops on the Blue Stable page. So getting into it, where it's a little bit of a delayed episode. Not necessarily, you know, it was intended. We're going to do half and half, talk about some problems that we saw from Thursday, and then get into the game uh, on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So talking about the game, we're not going to do our usual what we liked, what we didn't like. It's pretty obvious to watch that game and talk about what was not good and what was not right. And everything that's not right is going to have to do with the offense. Shout out to the defense. They made it the game. They won the game for us, them and Chase McLaughlin, who ended up winning AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Shout out to him for for four on his field goals, especially three of them being past 48 yards. Never thought you would hear that as a Colts fan this season, but that's a thing, uh, culture shock. So the offensive line, a big problem, a big problem. I thought it was pretty, it was pretty weird. You know, I haven't been necessarily outspoken about it. I was excited about it. I was happy to see some change along the offensive line. You saw Bernard Ryman was going to be the starting left tackle. Braden Smith moved over to right guard. Matt Fryer moved over to right tackle. And I'm sitting there thinking, I think it was good that they're changing and they they know they need to change. But at the same time, on a short week, no practice time, no game planning, just throw five guys who've never played together and say, hey, look, on prime time, go, go, go stop the Broncos pass rush. 
Bernard Ryman did have his first start, pretty bad performance. I mean, third round rookie, first first game under the lights. I'm not even going to put that on him. It was his welcome to the NFL game. He's a rookie. He gets that benefit of the doubt. That that it is what it is. Okay, and already hell, I think. I think I just heard another whistle. I think Bernard Ryman got called for another hold, I think. So it's still a, a, a major factor going on so far. So talking about the offensive line, Marcus, it was abysmal. Most importantly, the tackle play. Pressure was coming from everywhere. Bernard Ryman was allowing pressure. Matt Pryor, I don't even think he was trying out there. I mean, hell, a fly could have just whipped by him. It, it, it was bad. But overall from the offensive line play we already know but we're about to give some grades out here right now what is a grade you would give to the offensive line i would give the offensive line a c plus only give it a c plus because we won the game so i mean if we would have lost it would have been an f like no question but i mean c plus because we won that's what we wanted anyway a victory to move forward and try to win this easy division this year uh, so C plus, of course they played terribly, but they played terribly enough to win the game. So that's all that matters at the end of the day. Uh, of course, we need to make changes still at the offensive line position. They're still rotating pieces, playing chess with this when it's not that when it's not that hard to be honest. I think Colts fan figured it out at this point. Why they didn't figure it out yet, I have no clue. But all, overall grade, I give it a C plus, just because we won. C plus just because you won. I just I, I was curious if you if you were to give a grade out there I wanted to know what what that would be. Talking about the changes, why they were so sudden on a short week, Marcus. They didn't just like if you would have just pulled Matt Pryor and started Bernard Ryman, okay, that's one thing. But Marcus, they made three drastic changes on five spots on the offensive line: left tackle, right guard, right tackle. That is a drastic change. That is a huge change. 60% of your offensive line is different at different spots. Everybody's punching back and Baron Browning's punching back on Thursday was Matt Pryor. Okay. I, I get it. All right. Everybody knows I'm a huge Matt Pryor fan, former TCU Horn Frog, all that stuff. Okay. I love Matt Pryor. He was the worst player in the stadium on Thursday night the worst player I don't even think there was a debate I mean Bernard Ryman was bad but then Matt Pryor and then there was a gap and then there was everybody else that's how bad he was I I do hold Matt Pryor accountable absolutely you're a vet in this league you don't necessarily get the benefit of the doubt like a Bernard Ryman would would because he's a third round rookie, right? He's a third round rookie. You're not expecting him to come out and shut down Bradley Chubb for 60 plus plays. Not going to happen. But also at the same time, something I never really saw out there was blame for Frank Reich, Chris Strasser. Why are you making this drastic change on a short week? Bernard Ryman, okay, that's his position. But also, Braden Smith going from right tackle to right guard. Marcus, if Braden Smith is your right guard for the rest of the season, what are we doing? What are we doing? You're telling me the answer to getting to a Super Bowl is to have $300 million in the interior of the line? And no money at tackle? Really? There's no way they could be telling us that, Marcus. There's no way. I get why Braden Smith was there at right guard, but he needs to be at right tackle. Another issue that I had with it was Matt Pryor. Inconsistency. And I put this on the shoulders of Chris Ballard. Matt Pryor was shocked. Matt Pryor, you're going to be the starting left tackle. The fuck? Huh? What? He was shocked. That was his reaction. Marcus, he is a guard. He has never in his football career, and I've researched it, high school, college, NFL. I, for one, would know better than 
probably a lot of people talking about Matt Pryor because I watched every snap of his at TCU. He never came close to left tackle. He was never tried out in practice at left tackle. Never. So you know what he does? Hires a new trainer. Cuts down his diet. Sheds some pounds. Everything about his mental and his physical prepared for left tackle. A position he never prepared for in his life. Four weeks into the season, you know what they did? Hey, you're going back to right tackle. What? What? You're putting me back at right tackle? So not only are you putting me back at right tackle, but I'm getting no practice reps against live action? No game planning? No nothing? What? And this problem never would have occurred, Marcus, if jobs weren't just handed out. I get everybody doesn't like Matt Pryor. But Marcus, can I take you back to last year when Matt Pryor was performing well at right tackle? Eric Fisher was bad at left tackle? Marcus, you remember whose name kept popping up in Colts Twitter about replacing Eric Fisher? Who was that name? Matt Pryor? Matt Pryor. And now, eight months later, Matt Pryor sucks. Why is he out here? Y'all were calling for him too. I'm not going to let Colts Nation off the hook with this. You guys were calling for him too. Because Eric Fisher was bad, you called for him too. So clearly you and Chris Ballard saw something there. It's just that he's the general manager. He never, he never attacks the problem seriously. Never. My issue right now is we may never find the answer at all in the in the offensive line. The, the right starting five, Marcus, I don't believe is on the roster. The right starting five, maybe the right starting three, but the right starting five is probably not even on the roster. So I feel like this constant shuffling, shuffling, putting guys together that have never played together, Again, in big games, how monumental is this game against Jacksonville, Marcus? How monumental is the game next week going to be in Tennessee? So let me get this straight. If they pull Matt Pryor and he's on the bench and Matt, and Matt Ryan is sacked seven times, who are you going to blame? Matt Pryor? Why? Who is, who, who is the next punching bag? Because there's only so many excuses, Marcus. There's only so many guys you can blame. What is your opinion on the drastic changes, and do you think they should have made those Thursday night? Uh, Well, to blame Matt Pryor, we do need a scapegoat. So, unfortunately, Matt, I'm sorry, but it would have to be you. Um, For the drastic change, I mean, I think we all were shocked. We kind of wanted this change to happen the week before the short week, but, you know, knowing the Colts, <laughs> here's a surprise for you, and, you know, especially being in primetime, even though we play pretty decently on primetime to win a game, I'm not worried about that decision, but the offensive line is a big issue that's been going on since week one. Week two, I would say, was probably the worst, and this probably should have been changed after that. But for for the offensive line structure, it's, the left tackle is one of the most important positions in the NFL. How could you not address this issue from last year? You go with a guy that's already on a roster that doesn't play that position. You put him there, and you know he really has no experience, and you just throw him out there into the Sharks. And you know how important that position is, especially with Quentin Nelson next to you. Putting more workload on him, have him looking like he doesn't even know what he's doing, like he's not an all-pro at all. It's just flat-out embarrassing to be a Colts fan in general. It's like, do you know what you're doing at, at your job? Like, this whole offensive line structure, all this money investment, why are you switching these positions if you put money into it? They should be out there doing their job. It just doesn't make sense to me personally. Uh, if they're ever going to figure this core out for the rest of this season, I hope so. Uh, hopefully, they'll probably get some advice on Twitter because obviously giving them the, the license to do these things on their own is just not working because they're just having Matt Ryan see ghosts week after week after week. I would love to see what Matt Ryan can actually do with a secure pocket to give him time to throw the football. <laughs> Lord knows what that might look like. But uh, as for general, on a short week of these offensive line changes, it's just unacceptable, to be honest. And I really hate this for Matt Pryor, man. And I, and I hate to keep talking about him 
because he is one of the worst players on the roster right now with these performances. But the Colts have done him no favors. They put him at a spot he's never played in his life. And now you're taking him out of that position, putting him at, a, at another position that he didn't train for on a short week and is bad. You know what that does to his, uh, to a player's confidence like that? So his confidence is completely shot now. It's shot. And a lot of players play in their mental. A lot of it is their mental, Marcus. You know this. A lot of people that watch this who have played sports on any level. You don't have to be a professional athlete to know this thing that I'm about to say. Your confidence in your abilities and yourself means a lot to the player. In any sport, if you're not confident, it's going to show. Whether if in the in, in the box score, on the tennis court, on the golf grass. I don't know what they call that. I don't watch that sport. But you know what I'm getting at. Any sport, if the confidence is not there, the play is not going to be there. They've done this man no favors. No favors whatsoever. Getting it, speeding up, moving on. I don't want to talk about, you know, one of the worst players on the roster for so long. But what should the starting five moving forward be? That's what we're about to get into right now. Again, if y'all haven't already, make sure y'all comment down below. Who do you think the starting five should be? And that's what we're about to get into right now. My starting five, I'm going to throw out there. Uh, Marcus, I have it up right here. Left tackle, you know, the Colts have already come out and said it. Bernard Ryman. I think, you know, even though it, it was a bad one, it's it's one that you can, like, slip under the rug, right? A short week, you know, I've already said it before. Short week, he's a rookie. This was his welcome to the NFL game. Got his ass kicked. Okay, learn from it. Get in film study. Sweep it under the rug. Act like it never happened. I'm going to act like it never happened. So, Bernard Ryman, Quentin Nelson. I'm putting Danny Pinter in place of Ryan Kelly. Whether Ryan Kelly is healthy or not, I'm putting Danny Pinter there. I can't argue with the results. Ryan Kelly has been average at best at the center position, and that's not what the Colts are paying for. That is not what they're paying for. But it's evident, isn't it, Marcus? Danny Pinter performs better at center. So for that reason, I'm going to put him at center. Right guard, I'm going to go with Will Fries on this one. I think pass protection, going back to when he started against the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans, I thought he did a solid job against Jeffrey Simmons. Now, again, he's Jeffrey Simmons. You're not going to win too many reps with the guy. But at the same time, the pass protection was a little bit better from the interior of the line. Right tackle, I'm putting Braden Smith back at right tackle because guess what? That's what his contract is, right tackle money. I refuse. And I've seen people out there, and I get it. I, I want to get into that Braden Smith at right tackle and maybe even Dennis Kelly at right tackle. I, I've seen that but you're not paying Braden Smith to be a right guard. You paid him to be a right tackle. So he needs to stay at right tackle. I, I don't like, to me, that's my five. Ryman, Nelson, Pinter, Fries, Smith. Where are you going, Marcus? I like that five. I'm not going to lie to it. Mine's is similar a little bit, but I changed that to right guard position. So left tackle, we all know Bernard's got that spot. Um, left guard is, of course, Quentin Nelson, no question. Uh, center is Danny Pinter. Right guard, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Brayton Smith. Uh, he is a vet. I feel like he can figure it out, especially if he has the spot over a multitude of games. Because I think switching uh, in and out during games definitely plays a big role, and it definitely affects the technique of a player at a certain position for sure. So I'm gonna go with a uh, Brayton Smith at right guard and right tackle. I would love to use Dennis Kelly. I mean, the guy is on the roster. He hasn't been used yet. Hasn't been touched. He is a vet as well. I think more veteran experience definitely helps this uh, offensive line, especially a guy that plays that position his whole career almost. Definitely helps for sure. Him being on the roster and not being used, a healthy scratch is just unacceptable for sure. I mean, I don't know what the issue is or why he's not being used. Maybe you may know, but if we had a choice to make that position, uh, I would put him at right tackle. So my off top five would be Bernard, Nelson, Danny Pinter, Braden Smith, and Dennis Kelly. Solid five, solid five. I was contemplating whether, because he is a natural guard, I was contemplating whether to put Matt Pryor at right guard, Smith at right tackle. But I feel like after Thursday's performance, the organization, the team should send a message to the team. 
you know, about accountability, about you need to perform up to your standards. That's why I didn't put Matt Pryor in the, in the starting five, because at some point you have to hold somebody accountable and make a statement to the rest of the team. If you don't perform your job well, you are not going to play. Simple as that. And I like I like that starting five as well. Smith at four, oh, or at the four, like we're doing basketball. At right guard, Dennis Kelly at right tackle. I get it. He performed well in Tennessee at right tackle. I just can't get over the $85 million, Marcus. I'm sorry. I, I can't get over it. I'm not about to sit here and have $250 million invested in guards, damn it. That's like complete reverse football team building. That should be in your tackles, not your guards. Like, again, I put this on Chris Ballard. He came up and said he was smarter than everybody. He knows football better than everybody. And Matt Pryor can be the left tackle. No, I don't need Teron Armstead. I don't need Dwayne Brown. I don't need any of these cats coming out of the draft. Anything. I don't need them. Matt Pryor's the guy. Danny Pinter, natural center, performed best at center, never played right guard. Oh, guess what? It's your job. You know why? Because I think you're better and I'm smarter than everybody. I put this on Chris Ballard. But I think one of those two. The one I mentioned, the one you mentioned, which is the one that's being put out there frequently, by the way, I think that has the potential to work. But just me personally, Marcus, I can't, I can't ignore that 85 million. I can't. He's getting paid to be a tackle. Do you, do you understand? Like, what is your, what is your feel on that? Like, do you, do you understand where I'm coming from? I, I get where you're coming from on Dennis Kelly. Totally get it. Dude, I just can't, I can't ignore the $85 million. I can't. Yeah, I get what you're coming from. At a certain point, I feel like the Colts are used to wasting money on talent and not living up to their potential. Uh, so it's, it kind of is what it is God at damn. the end of the day. <laughs> so that's like, I mean, yeah, you paid it, but oh well, let's just move on. I mean, we had the money to blow it, but we just decided to sign our players, and that's just ballot logic. Uh, you know, paying the guys that's on the team and building through the draft. That's been his whole process since he's been here. So it's it's been a draining experiment, especially as a Colts fan to watch. But I mean, we did have plenty of chances to get talent out of free agency. There was a guy in Baltimore that didn't want to be there anymore to play his true position, and we didn't go make a trade for him, and he went for freaking Cheetos into a, a better position and a better chance to actually play. So, I mean, we just blow opportunities to build our roster and be better in the future every time. So I'm not surprised. Now this is truly, truly, truly hindsight. I've seen it flirted a little bit on Twitter. I even flirted with it a little bit. Go back to the 2021 draft first round. People are contemplating, did the Colts make the right pick and taking Quiddy Pay because Christian Derisaw was right there. He went to the Vikings two picks later. I think that's really hindsight, man. I, I get it. I think personally, if I had to list the three most important positions in football, I'd go quarterback, edge rusher, left tackle. There's some people that would go quarterback, left tackle, edge rusher. And I get all of that. I do think those are the three most important. But me personally, I, I, I can't argue taking a pass rusher. I can't argue that. I, I can't argue it's a pass rusher, right? But at the same time, you kind of knew a little bit of what Christian Derisaw could be. And Pay was like a high talent pick. So I don't know. That's a little... That's a little interesting conversation. I think we need to let the rest of the rookie contracts play out before we truly get into that debate. And for Chris Ballard's job, his ass, for his sake, he better hope that he made the right one. Uh, shout out Quiddy Pay, by the way. Glad his injury Thursday night was not anything serious. Switching the field here a little bit, going to the defense. They shine, man. DeForest Buckner, welcome to the party. It's about time. Kenny Moore. It's about time. Welcome to the party. They had really solid games. Pass rush was there. They were able to affect Russell Wilson. Marcus, what? Did the Colts catch a break by not getting Russell Wilson? This dude is bad all of a sudden. I mean, he was showing some, some signs the last two years in Seattle. But, man, dude, this guy is bad. And, yes, I can admit it. The Colts are lucky that they won that game in Thursday because the play was the right play. KJ Hamler legit wide open, a pick slant 
literally right there for a touchdown. Russell Wilson doesn't even look his way. And here's the blasphemous thing about it, Marcus. That play was designed to go to Hamler, and Wilson didn't even look his way. That's crazy. Yeah, it looked like they ran that play, but it was flipped on the opposite side because they did the same route, but he just looked to the left side of the field instead of the right, and he just missed them completely wide open. I mean, if we're being honest, this is definitely Russell Wilson-esque play when it comes to the final moments in the end zone. He's known to throw in a pick. <laughs> Super Bowl, hello, do we forget? So, I mean, I mean, he tried Gilmore. Why? I don't know. I mean, he tested him all year. I mean, all game, so... It was only a matter of time for him to actually, you know, step up to the plate. And shout out to Stephon Gilmore for that. That's a huge play, especially for a former All-Pro. He made his sighting. He let the, league, the NFL know that he's still here. He's still that dog. He let us know, thank God, because we definitely wanted to figure that out as well. Uh, but when it comes to Russell Wilson, I kind of predicted this. I'm not even trying to pat myself on the back. But I mentioned, I threw like a rabbit in the hat. I said the... I said the Broncos would not make the playoffs. I said that at the beginning of the season before it even started because I was like, it's too many teams in that division and in the AFC. One of them had to stink. And if I if I was just thinking, I was like, it's probably going to be the Broncos because Russell Wilson's last year in Seattle wasn't all the way great either. I mean, of course, he was in the nod for doing this. But in the second half, he just started seeing ghosts out of nowhere. So I was like, hmm. So I definitely want to pat the, the, uh, the GM for the Seahawks and the Falcons, because both of them were geniuses. Because when we looked at it, we was like, they getting traded? You tra- you getting rid of Russell Wilson? You getting rid of Matt Ryan? And now when you look at it, it's like, oh, they might have been on to something. So, hey, it is what it is at the end of the day. Like I said, poor offensive line play is going to hinder your quarterback, no matter who it is. It can be no QB is going to be successful in a system with a terrible offensive line. I don't care who it is. It could be Brady, Aaron Rodgers. It could be the GOAT paid man himself. He's going to see ghost if he doesn't have any protection. So I think that's what the role that's playing for both of these quarterbacks. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. That's how I see it. Yeah, I, I agree as well, man. Stephon Gilmore definitely turned back the clock on that play, man. Challenging Russell Wilson. And that's kind of what puzzled me a little bit. Right there, you had the game won. You were right there in the red zone. 239, I believe, left to play. You're literally right there, and you're passing the ball. Richard Sherman went crazy post-game about it. Why are you passing the ball? Why are you going for the kill shot? That is a game that you don't go for the kill shot in because you don't know if you're ever going to get that chance again. Why? Why not just take the points and make the Colts have to score a touchdown? Make them have to go 80 yards, 90 yards. Thank God for the Broncos' stupidity. Thank God for Russell Wilson's inaccuracy. Just thank God for all that because the Colts were really handed this game, if I have to be honest with it, man. They were really handed this game. It was on a silver platter. And also, shout out, Rodney Thomas, baby! Rodney Thomas. I'd say some other stuff, man, but we got to keep things PG around here. Try to tell y'all, man, this dude's a baller. You know, man, he ain't too raw. Moment's not too big for him. Come on, man. His play, his play says it for himself, man. Defense played one hell of a game. Marcus, did you know Zaire Franklin is tied for first place in the NFL in tackles? That is something that went way over my head this whole entire season. Zaire Franklin, and for everybody that keeps saying, that keeps dogging Gus Bradley, oh, he's not a Matt Eberflus. He doesn't take the ball away. Well, you know what? Matt Eberflus had him as a special teams guy. Gus Bradley is making him the leader in tackles in the entire NFL. There's levels to this, children. There's levels. Chess, not checkers. Algebra, not whatever second grade math Matt Eberflus does, okay? None whatsoever, all right? Let's get it going. Let's keep things moving here. And we're going to go ahead and put that to the side of us again on behalf of the Blue Stable. We do apologize that everybody had to watch that game. I still can't get out of my head. Overtime, prime time, the home team's fans are filing out of the stadium. 
I tweeted it. As bad as things are for Colts fans right now, it's not worse than Denver. It is not worse. That is embarrassing, Marcus. Prime time. Overtime. Russell Wilson in-house. And your fans are rushing to beat traffic. Damn. Damn. And you said earlier about you were right about Denver. One of these teams in the AFC West have to suck. There's two teams in the AFC West that suck. Las Vegas. But who knows? Maybe the Colts might do a Colts and lose to them anyway. So it probably doesn't even matter that I'm saying it right now. I I, I get it, Marcus. But we're going to put that game behind us. The defense showed out. The offense sucked. Chase McLaughlin's the greatest. We all get it, all right? So moving on to this game. Huge game. Back home in front of the home crowd. I really hope the stadium doesn't put out some fake tweet talking talking about this game is sold out. Man, ain't nobody selling out this damn game. They ain't nobody selling out this product from for what it's been. Nobody. I better not see that tweet out, out on Twitter. I'm gonna go crazy. Yeah, I better not see a sold out tweet. I better not. I better. I will put my house that is being built right now on the line. That's what I'll do. That's how confident I am in it. So. Getting into this game between the Indianapolis Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. We all know what happened a month ago. Shut out. Zero points. Zero. Nada. All right? Horrible. Now, you have a little chance at revenge. (laughs) Maybe not a chance. There's a need for revenge in this game, Marcus. Would you say, before we we get into it, would you say this game is a must-win? Yes. Yes, simple, quick, and easy. And as bad as the Colts have been, Marcus, there's still half a game. 0.5, not even a full number, not even a whole number, a decimal number away from being in first place of the AFC South. This division sucks, but you know what? Somebody's got to win it. And I felt very torn on Thursday. Do I want this team to lose so we can start doing draft mock drafts or do I want this team to win because somebody is getting a home playoff game? And if you get into the playoffs, just get there. Anything can happen at that point. I have to sit here and say, I know people kind of clown and everything on people who say, "Oh yeah, let's tank." But I will say this, if this team decided, if Jim Mercer decided midseason, Chris Ballard. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You're out. Frank Reich, you're out. We're tearing it down. I would be the happiest person alive. But also, if there is a chance to win a division, knowing at the end of the tunnel is a home playoff game, you got to go for it. You got to go for it. You got to. And that was a little bit of a discussion last year with Carson Wentz. I brought up, should the Colts just go ahead and sit him to keep that that first-round pick? You saw Tennessee was struggling a little bit. You know, they were losing a couple games here and there, maybe some games they shouldn't shouldn't have lost. Opened up a door for Indianapolis. And they closed it on themselves, obviously. We know the story. But it just goes to show you, if there is a chance to get into the dance, you have to to go for it. You have to. So right now, I'm not even thinking about draft anymore. You have a chance to get ahead. Two straight division games, three games played so far, zero wins. That has to stop. And they, I might I might even say these next two games are going to decide the season right here. If you lose these next two games, I don't know what more to tell you. I don't know what more to tell you. Because right after Tennessee, You know who's coming to town, Marcus? A pissed-off Carson Wentz. A pissed-off Carson Wentz. 
We can talk about him being bad. We can talk about, oh, that's a Carson Wentz interception. We've seen it firsthand. When he is on his on his P's and Q's, Marcus, there ain't nothing stopping him. We've seen that before, haven't we? With our own eyes and our own jerseys. We've seen that. You still got Philadelphia. Dallas's defense. <laughs> I don't give a damn who's the tackles over there. Y'all just getting y'all's asses look whoop. Well, regardless of who's there. Bernard Ryman, Ryman sauce, Ryman noodles, whoever the hell is out there. It's not looking good against Micah Parsons and company. But as of right now, you have a chance, right? So let's go ahead and talk about it. The Colts are coming in 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Man, there was almost a chance we could have been 1-2-2. Two, and two. Man, that would have been such a weird record. But just breaking down the game right now, both offenses, Jacksonville doing a solid job, 22 points a game. The Colts, 13 points. 13.8 points a game. Uh, points allowed per game. Both teams are actually doing pretty solid, and these are good numbers in the NFL. Jacksonville allowing 16. Indianapolis allowing 18 total yards. Kind of the same here. You got Jacksonville at 261. Indianapolis at 366. So talking about it right there, both offenses, all right? For the Colts offense, we know what it's about. We know what was hurting them. Josh Allen, pass rusher Josh Allen. Tracy Walker and company getting after the tackles. Braden Smith himself was even having trouble in this game. Matt Pryor was getting killed against Josh Allen. Now, you're, it looks like you're going to have Ryman and Smith or Ryman and Kelly, Dennis Kelly, that is, at the tackle position. Most importantly, the edge has got to be protected. Whatever, it, whatever the case may be. I don't care at, at, at a certain point this season, Marcus, there's going to kind of come a point in time for me where I don't care if Bernard Ryman is a, a, is a rookie anymore. He is put in this position. People kept propping him up. Okay. It's time to go out there and play at some point. We're going to get there. We're not there yet. At some point we're going to get there. So for me, the offensive line, once again, this game is going to be one in the trenches, whether if the Colts want to block pass block, run block, whatever the case may be. You have to be able to get the run game going. The run game is nowhere near what Frank Reich wants it to be. They're averaging 91 yards a game, not where Frank Reich wants to be. He wants to be around that 130, right? that 140. He wants to be around there. So for me, the offensive line is going to have to do its thing in this matchup. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I was on the, on the, on the uh, last two weeks, I was talking about Alec Pierce stepping up. And he has been doing that because we mentioned how Michael Pippen Jr. is going to be a dog. And we mentioned how someone else is going to have to step up to the plate. All credit to Ashton Doolin. But, you know, now I'm going to focus more on the offensive line this game because we're going to need them more than ever. This is could be a potential win streak for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we did just win in Denver. And this game, we're usually do, we're usually known for being good against the Jaguars at home. Last year, we got saved with the Hurricane Dio fumble. But we're used to doing pretty decent against the Jaguars at home, so we can pretty much hold our own. Last time we played Tennessee at home, you know, it came down to the final seconds, and Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, basically. But like I said, this could be a potential win streak for the Indianapolis Colts that we desperately need. We need that momentum right now, and it's all going to come down to the offensive line. Can this be the core that we can keep together and we can stop switching? Because we can't keep switching the offensive line and want to make the playoffs at the same time. Of course, we know this division's NFC East basically for this year. Last year, the NFC East, somebody had like six wins or something like that and made the playoffs. It was, it was something crazy. Uh, it's going to be like that this year for the Colts, in my opinion. Not record-wise, but play-wise. Uh, we're all playing poorly, in my opinion. But I feel like this game could be huge for Matt Ryan if he can get some type of protection from the offensive line. If he can get that, I feel like we're going to have a good football day. And Colts fans are going to love it because I, I feel like they play better at home anyway. Do they? Yeah, I do. I think personally they play better at home. But that crowd, like it was electric last time I watched the game at, when they was at home. Even though they probably lost, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it it, it was electric. That's empty promises, empty calories is what I looked at it as. But uh, switching the field here, going to the defense. The biggest thing for me in this game. Normally I would go with the pass rush. But I, th I felt like I went with the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. 
Last game, Christian Kirk torched this defense. He embarrassed Kenny Moore, got the better of Brandon Faison, even got the better of, of Stephon Gilmore. Is Julian Blackman going to be back this game? He's practicing, but is he going to be back? The Rodney fan inside of me hopes he doesn't, but at the end of the day, Julian Blackman is a better safety. It's going to be have to, the secondary is going to have to perform much better than it did in Jacksonville. Because again, Christian Kirk, for, for all the jokes everybody wanted to make about Christian Kirk in that huge contract, I don't think anybody was complaining about that contract when we lost zero to 24. I don't think anybody was um, was complaining about that. So far this season, 21 receptions, 338 yards and three touchdowns. He's doing it. He He's performing. He's playing at a high level. So the secondary for me is going to have to do its thing on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if Shaquille Leonard is going to be is going to be back right now. I mean, damn, he was listed on the injury report with like three different injuries, concussion, nose, I think I don't want to misspeak. I think a back was on there, I think. Want to say looking it up right now. Sorry, guys. Let me see here. Okay, I guess that didn't pick that up. Injury report. Got it up right now. Shaquille Leonard. Oh, yeah. Concussion, nose, and back. So he's dealing with that. Uh, he was listed as a non-participant. Has not participated for two days. We'll see what's going on on Friday, tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this today, maybe. We'll see what the official word from Frank Reich is going to be. But I, I believe Zaire Franklin has done enough for me to feel okay with Bobby Okereke and Zaire Franklin being out there. Yeah, um, that's a conversation for another day that I don't want to bring up right now, but I I say this, like, constantly. I'm like, this defense doesn't need Shaquille Leonard on the field right now. Like, of course, him and Julian Blackman are both turnover prones, you know, to get up, get the football. But honestly speaking, like, this defense has been playing lights out. They've been trying to keep the Colts in the game. So I feel like we really don't need them. We just still need to tweak the defense a little bit more, a little bit more Isaiah Rogers Sr., a little bit more Rodney Thomas, and I feel like we can go get the football and start creating turnovers, but that's just another conversation. But for the linebacker group, Zaire Franklin is a beast, um, a beast at tackling. We've seen that flash with Bobby Okereke a few seasons ago when he pretty much led the league in tackling almost. He was a dog tackling the football. Only thing I really worried about Zaire was in coverage, but I mean, everybody can – pretty much fear that because our linebackers kind of stink in coverage, but it is what it is. Miscommunication almost every game between the secondary and the linebacker group, but hopefully that'll get fixed soon. But I feel like this defense uh, can, you know, pretty much hold another team like the AFC South accountable to at least splitting when it comes to playing each other twice. I feel like we can win this game for sure. I don't think this defense is going to get shut out twice. I think they took the last blow as like a hit in the face, and I think they're going to wake up even more uh, because they did what they had to do in the second half. I mean, the offense just keeps them on the field and makes them gassed out of energy. So, I mean, it's only so much you can ask out of the defense personally. I think these games are more on the offense than the defense because we know the defense is going to bring it. I think what's going to take another hit is the special teams, you know, losing our guy dueling out for four games. A really solid unit on the special team. So we, I'm pretty sure they're going to replace him with another gunner. But he was definitely a huge role in that in that group. Yeah, I think if you look back for me, going back to the defensive side of the ball, the past two games Trevor Lawrence has played against you, been easy work. Easy work. He's not even – again, he can just sit back there. He can, he can smoke a brisket and go to sleep and wake up the next morning and check how it looks. That's how much time he has back there. So you got to make life uncomfortable for him. Right now, Jacksonville looks like the best team. I know Tennessee, you know, people have their opinions about them. My opinion, Jacksonville looks like the best team in the division. We're certainly going to see this Sunday. The Colts should be pissed off. You didn't score a single point. You didn't even get close to scoring a point in Jacksonville. So you should be coming into this game. This is a game where I believe you don't need Frank Reich to have you ready. You scored zero points. You, as a professional athlete, should have enough pride in yourself, your team, and your game 
to come out pissed off alone. In my opinion, in just my opinion, if they start out slow again, I know people are going to come out again. Frank Reich does not have this team ready. Why does Frank Reich need to have this team ready? This specific week, division game, you sucked the last two times you played them. They ended your season in horrible fashion. You scored zero points. You don't need Frank Reich to have you ready in this game. You don't. You should already be motivated. You wake up Sunday, you're ready to knock somebody's head off. Already. You shouldn't get to the stadium. Okay, I'm the worst coach right. You know, where, where's that speech at? Where, whatever the case may be, man. This is just a game where I'm not looking for the Frank Reich excuses. This team should be ready to play, whether they want to put it on Frank Reich or not. This team should be ready to play. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, Frank, the coach, head coach plays a big role in it too. Um, but, you know, the players motivate themselves on a daily basis. They got their own game preparation. They have their own speeches in the huddle before before kickoff. So they know what they got to do uh, on a day-to-day basis. But your head coach got to have your back. I mean, it can't be like a, a, a freaking hand clap, you know, a Jason Garrett type role. It can't be that. You know, you got to get gritty. You got to get down to it. You got to have like that Mike Tomlin or that Robert Salah type of energy towards your team. Because those are two coaches that are going to motivate you and have your back. And they're going to inspire you to want to play good football as well. So we got to have that. I mean, we can't have positive energy throughout the head coach throughout the all time. We got to have somebody that's going to be aggressive and have that negative energy. Like, hey, do your job. You know, we got to have some type of guys like that. Like Robert Salah from the Jets. I love, I love the energy every week. You see it. You know, holding them back from getting on the field and try to yell at their referees. You know, we ha- they love they have that exciting energy. And they're playing pretty decent football. At the end of the year, that's a conversation for another day. But, hey, it is what it is. That energy is definitely matching from the, from the coaching staff to the players. And you got to have that on your team, too, because you can see it's not in sync. It's not. And it's just unacceptable. I mean, it is what it is. But if you want to be the best football team, everybody got to be clicking on one accord. It's that simple. Definitely, most definitely, guys. So let's go ahead and get and jump right into some predictions here for this game. The the injury report looks very long, but I I do think probably 90% of this injury report is going to be out there Sunday. I I do believe Jonathan Taylor did return back to practice. Uh, You kind of hope he does return in this game because Naheem Hines still dealing with that uh, scary concussion right now. He's limited. That's not that's not not normal for somebody to be limited in a concussion protocol because again, you're not doing anything with pads. You're just doing some light work, some individual drills. You're not doing any impact drills, 11 on 11 or anything like that. So, you're only active again, limited. That's what they mean. So, uh Marcus, you you go first on this one. I'm still still getting these thoughts together. Yeah, for the for the game, talking about score predictions. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think this. I think it's going to be a low scoring game for sure. Uh, so I'm probably going to go in the seventeen fourteen range. Uh, Justin Tucker's son, um, Chase McLaughlin. I think he's going to kick the game with a field goal for the Colts. Uh, they're gonna. I mean, I feel like they're going to have a lot of field goals because they still struggle to get in the end zone. Why I have no clue. But hey. Like I said, at home, we've seen Jelani Woods score two touchdowns. We've seen Marley Cox score. It is, it's something about that home field. I don't know what it is, but I do think the Colts are going to win this game by a field goal. That's that's what I'm saying. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't think the Jaguars are going to put up 24. I mean, they did struggle last week, so hopefully that carries over into this week. I'm, I'm knocking on wood. Hopefully the pass rush can do something. Just please do something. Five games into the season, and you have not scored more than 20 points in a game. Oh, man, where do I go with this game? A little bit conflicted, but for this game, I'm actually kind of surprised that I'm going this way, but I'm actually going to go with the Colts on this one. Uh, Again, like I mentioned earlier, you don't need Frank Reich to be hyped for this game. You don't need Frank Reich to be pissed off about this game, for this game, rather you should already come in with that motivation. So I'm going to bank on that. Uh, I don't know what the starting five offensive line is going to look like, but I'm going to trust that Matt Pryor is not going to be on the field. So playing tackle, so that there's a plus already. If you're going to have Smith or Dennis Kelly out there, Will Fry's at right guard or Smith at right guard, you name it, but I'm going to go with the Colts on this one. 
And I'm going to bank on this team doing what it's supposed to do, doing what it needs to do and being ready the way they need to be ready. So I'm going to go with the Colts. Damn. Shocker, everybody. They're going to score over 20 in this game. I'm going to go with them 27 to 17 in this game. I'll, I'll go that way. 27, is, 17. Is this with or without Jonathan Taylor? Oh, geez. This is with Jonathan Taylor. With Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> right, okay, okay. That makes sense now. With Jonathan Taylor. If they don't have Jonathan Taylor. Okay, so if they don't have Jonathan Taylor, I will say the Jaguars win. Maybe I will say Jaguars 23, Colts 10. That's all I'll say. Okay, I respect it. I respect it. I think you should at least score on your home field, right? I'm not, I'm not shocked at this point. <laughs> As the Colts, I'm not shocked. They they probably wouldn't. I mean, at least we're not Denver. They wouldn't boo us at home. So they, they'll do something. The defense would keep them from booing. Hey, we hey the Colts were booed when they went down 24-3 against Tennessee. So all I know is if the Colts lose this game, if they lose the next two games, boy, I the Time for the brown have... bags over the head? Nah, man, I – I'm not trying to, like, jump ahead or anything. But let's just say for the next three, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Washington, because Carson Wentz, the guy that Jim Irsay hates. If the Colts lose these next three games, man, I know a lot of people say they're not a fan of in-season firings. But I feel like if you lose these next three games, somebody's got to pay the price. Somebody needs to be held accountable for that. And I feel like it's going to be Frank Reich. If they don't, win any of these three games hell at minimum i think you should win two at minimum so i'm just saying if they win three if they lose these next three games i don't see frank reich lasting past halloween so damn that that would suck getting fired on halloween damn be a spooky weekend ain't it damn (laughs) go out trick-or-treating hey what are you gonna be unemployed like can you imagine that (laughs) oh man coach reich what are you here as unemployed like, oh my gosh. Damn you, Michael, I hate you. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, guys, this has been another fun episode of the Blue Stable Podcast. Make sure you are following myself and Marcus, a.k.a. Culture Shock. Make sure you're checking out the Blue Stable on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And make sure you're checking out the Blue Stable website as well, where we have plenty of content there for you, articles. You can find our podcast there as well. It is embedded on the site. So other than that, guys, Marcus, do you have any other closing remarks? Um, yeah, uh, Colts, just just go out there and play football. Like, I I know it's been a rough a rough season, but if you need any type of inspiration, come to yours truly. Look at me, come on, Colts. Who are we? Like, like what are we? What are we supposed to do here? Did we not hold this quota in the off season when we mentioned the pass rushes back? Please show me on Sunday, please. I would love to see that. I would love to see it. And to, to add on to another thing, when you talk about early, when you talk about Quiddy Pay, um, we definitely could have got Jalen Phillips and Leo Eichberg out that draft because that's what the Dolphins did. So, I mean, they got they got the edge rush first, and then they got the offensive lineman. So when you was talking about it, I was looking it up. I was like, oh, yeah, they did do that. So those are the two two things. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Golly. Well, before we, before we leave out of here, because I almost – almost forgot this i almost forgot this important aspect that we were gonna do guys so we're gonna get into some questions here and we're just gonna go um i guess you could say rapid fire on these but marcus we did get some questions uh for this segment so the first one is gonna be from richard Saminski. i hope i did not butcher your name richard but he had he asked any potential trade targets before the deadline um any potential trade targets? I don't think the Colts are going to be buyers this year. Well, I mean, when are they ever buyers? But uh, I don't think this should be the year that you buy. I'm of the mindset that this is the year you trade up for your quarterback. And that is the only time you should give up draft uh, capital because obviously you're going to give up a pick for a team to, for a player to help your team. But I'm of the mindset that uh, they are not going to be a buyer at all, at all this season regardless like like i mentioned earlier in the show if they lose the next three games i still don't believe that they're going to be uh buyers so i will say uh they they might even be sellers but not buyers so any potential trade targets 
I mean, just to answer the question, maybe DJ Moore, you know, not happy. Um, Kenny Gops, oh, man, I'll give I'll give them these freaking electronic wipes for Kenny Galladay right here. Um, yeah, other than that, man, there's no there's nobody giving up a left tackle or anything. So for right now, I'd say uh, DJ Moore. Yeah, if, to be if we're being honest, like if they were going to trade for anyone, they could have just signed it because there's still talent in free agency that they look over constantly week after week, even though they see the offense struggle. And they're like, no, we're content with doing what we want. I mean, if they wanted to go get defense, William Jackson doesn't want to be in Washington anymore. He came out adamant about that. That's another solid corner. I'll put him over Brandon Face on, but that's just another conversation for a day. Um, for the offensive side, like I said, there's still plenty of wide receivers out there. Offensive linemen, hello, Coach and Ballard. Uh, there's still offensive linemen out there that you can get from out of free agency if you want to do that. They just got a former Panther. I can't pronounce his name correctly. Uh, they signed him, so I wonder if the, if the Colts are going to use him or keep him on the practice squad, but that's another conversation. So I don't think they're going to be trading for anybody. They're not really known for doing that. They mostly trade on draft night, so that's just another concept. We're just going to have to stick with this. Sorry. <laughs> going to a couple of uh, Twitter questions we got here. One from Andy Iman. IU fan one. Why do we insist on playing prior? Why not Dennis Kelly? Well, coming into the year, it made sense to start Matt Pryor. It just didn't make sense to start him at left tackle. If you wanted to start him at guard, maybe even right tackle, that made sense, but he's a guard. So why was he never at guard to begin with? That's on Ballard. That's his decision-making. Remember, he's smarter than you are, so he can't be questioned. But uh, this, like I said earlier in the in the show, this should be the game that I think Dennis Kelly or Will Fries make an appearance. Yeah, definitely. This should be the wake-up call that we're waiting for. Uh, Matt Pryor was just, uh, <laughs> I guess he was just a black ball type of player. He's got, got put out in the fire, and he had to deal with the consequences of getting put on his butt, being exposed, looking like the security guard at the concert when he just let the people walk past. It's unfortunate for Pryor, but hey, somebody had to get blamed, so... Hey, that's what Ballard did. He put Matt Pryor out there. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. That's the person he traded for, too. But that's a kind of conversation. <laughs> Mark is not pulling any punches here in this show. Going to the next one, Colts and Pacers fan slash fan for life on Twitter. Why? Oh, okay. Uh, I think he was very angry when he worded this tweet. So I'm going to he he miss uh, mistype. So I'm going to see if I can make it. Okay. Why can't Frank send to beat the Jags? Is it his okay? Why can't Frank seem to beat the Jags? Is it his run all the time on first down mentality, or he's just a subpar coach to Jags uh coach every year to Jags coaches every year? I think the the, the thing with the Jags, and it's not just with the Jags, it's with the Titans, it's with the Texans, it's with other teams, right? Marcus, I think his downfall is um his downfall is he relies on the run too much too much i i get you wanting to run but at the same time why is jonathan taylor getting 25 30 carries a game why like me personally i just don't like that type of offense it gets you into second and long first and uh, third and long especially if your offensive line is not doing the greatest run blocking, which we've seen, it's not that great, but it, it looked like they found something in Nelson Pinter and Smith opening up lanes for Deion Jackson. So um, I would like to see a little bit more passing in this game against Jacksonville because they look like they stymied the run last game. Yeah. Um, just to piggyback off your conversation, like I said, at the beginning of the year, it looked like Jonathan Taylor was hurt in the off season going into the season. And it was like, Forcing him to run the ball is like just kicking a dead horse. It's like it's not going to move. You have to stop trying to run the football. I mean, it, it got to the point where it looked like a Joe Gibbs offense. It was like run pass, run pass, run pass. And it got so formally identical that teams were just stacking the box and they still tried to run the football. So I don't understand what that was. And when John Taylor went out, I was like, well, that's fine for me because I didn't want to see us running the football anyway. Passing was going to have our best chance for the offense to do something. I mean – it is what it is when you get the interceptions and the forced fumbles because the offensive line still stinks. But hopefully, Jonathan Taylor can come back. They have the rotations fixed on the offensive line. He can see those holes and he can go back to his normal self. Uh, like I said, he still has that injury. Just don't know how bad it is yet. But we do need him on Sunday for sure. Most definitely, guys. And thank you for the Twitter questions, by the way. We're going to be doing these uh, 
every game leading up into the game. We're going to do these every show, basically. We're going to be calling for them. So make sure when we when you see that tweet on uh, Twitter, make sure you drop down in that comment section on the post on Twitter and put those uh, questions down there below. The next one coming from M at Emmers. I believe I pronounced that right on Twitter. Do you think they will start Isaiah Rogers Sr.? I think it's time for him to start, though. I think it is because if you go back to last game against Tennessee, Brandon Faison and Isaiah Rogers were in the same position facing Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has a run to the up the middle. That's stuffed. So he bounces it outside. Brandon Faison, horrible effort on tackle, turns into a touchdown. Later on in the game, Isaiah Rogers, same situation. You stuff the run, bounces outside. Isaiah Rogers lost for two yards on a tackle. So Things like that are are a very big impact. Where I think by now, I think Isaiah Rogers should start this game. Going he should have been starting since the uh, season started, in my opinion. I think all Colts fans were on the same page as that Isaiah Rogers seen as the dog. He made his presence known last year, and he's only have gotten better game by game. I mean, of course, you bring in your own guy, Brandon Faison, with Gus Bradley. But to be honest, we know who the more raw talent is, the fastest corner on the team, and he has pure athleticism. That I might add. I mean, he shows it in practice almost every week. We see so much blurry footage like Festus Azili's recording it, but he shows that he's very good and very talented with the one-hand interceptions, pretty much baiting Matt Ryan into throwing something stupid. But Isaiah Rogers seen as a dog. We seen it last year when he picked up Brady. Yada, 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 we get it. He's a dog, put him on the field, and he can tackle. Another thing I might add, because tackling can be an issue for secondaries and is not with Isaiah Rogers Sr. So start him, please. Move on next. <laughs> shout out m on twitter for giving us this question by the way the last one here webby uh at webby 2495 on twitter his question will be uh will jelani get more touches this game i feel like he is a player between the 20s is he gonna get a lot of touches maybe not i think you're gonna go with Pittman. gonna go with campbell pierce well Pittman, pierce campbell you're gonna go with those guys i think when you get into the red zone though Jelani Woods should never come off the field in the red zone. You need that towering presence on the field. You have to have that, whether if it's, and I said it when he was drafted, he is the better receiving option than Mo Ali Cox. I have been proven right so far this season. Even Kylan Granton is getting ahead of him. So three years, 18 million. Jelani Woods is showing why he should be on the field. So I think in the red zone, there should not be a play where Jelani Woods is off the field. He should get every rep inside the red zone. And I think the Colts' chances for getting a touchdown improve drastically. Yeah, absolutely. He's proven in his debut, like, when he got the football, he's a red zone threat. There was no questions about it. It's a jump ball. We talked about it all offseason when we acquired him, how tall he is and how good he can be and how how he was a tight end coming into the draft. Marley Cox had to develop that skill, but Jelani Woods was that dog already. And he's shown it when he got in when he got his chance. Two touchdowns in the same game as a rookie. Like, come on, that's ice cream for, for Matt Ryan that loves throwing the football to tight ends anyway. So having him on the field, he needs to get more touches, especially when we get to that place on the, on the field where we can't seem to score. It's because you're the most targeted guy that needs to be in the games on the sideline. Hello, wake up, Colts. Put him in the game. Let's go. What are we most waiting definitely, on? Most definitely, guys. And thank you guys for the Facebook and Twitter questions. We absolutely appreciate it so much. This has been another episode of the Blue Stable Podcast. We will check you guys out on Sunday, Sunday night. When we record our post game again, we will have another tweet out there for Twitter questions post game. Hopefully if it's a win, hopefully it's not a loss. So other than that, guys, we will see y'all here in the next few days. Y'all have a good one. Have a good weekend. Enjoy some college football. Don't drink too much. I'm certainly going to be repping them TCU Horn Frogs, baby, already repping here on a Thursday. Marcus, man, uh, you probably don't care about college football, by the way. You're a Houston Rockets fan, so you're just waiting for next year's draft in June. So other than that, man, uh, any colleges for you? Can we just have your wide receiver? That's all I ask. I don't watch college, though. Can we just what? Can we draft your wide receiver from TCU? Oh, man. You mean Quentin Johnston? Dude, I've been watching Quentin Johnson yeah, yeah. since he was like 12 years old, dude. Born and raised in Temple, Texas, man. Dude, dude was a star, man. And he's a dog. I mean, Ballot likes drafting pro- like the draft process. There you have it. Another wide receiver. Happy there you have it. Game. There you go. Do your damn job. If you're not gonna draft a left tackle <laughs> early, then it might as well go with a wide receiver, right? So other than that, guys, again, 
Have a great weekend. We will see you on Sunday or Monday. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.